to A Texan's View of the World with your host, Jeb Bashaw. Howdy, neighbors. My name is Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World. Thank you for listening in and for sharing the podcast with your friends and family. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and of course, Google. Today is Veterans Day, a day that I always enjoy celebrating and remembering all those that have served. For a lot of you, it's just another federal holiday. Banks are closed, no mail, which I believe makes it a great day to think about all those who have so valiantly served this country. Veterans Day is often confused with Memorial Day. Memorial Day, celebrated in May, is for those that gave the ultimate sacrifice, their life, in defense of our country. Veterans Day is for all those men and women who served in the armed forces, Army, Navy, Marines, Airmen, and Guardsmen. So why is Veterans Day so important? For me, it's because veterans, by their service, demand our respect. I'm not just talking about combat veterans. I'm talking about all veterans. I never had the honor or privilege to serve. My time, or when I was of age, was not in a time of conflict. I was too young for Vietnam and too old for Desert Storm 1. Needless to say, there doesn't have to be a war on to serve, and that's what I think makes these men and women's service to our country all the more important. It's a calling, a desire to do something bigger than yourself, to join a team, a team that started in 1776 and has continued to this day. A team that is not driven by religion or ideology. A team that is driven by a commitment to an ideal. The commitment that was first memorialized in the Declaration of Independence when our forefathers effectively signed what could be their death warrant in writing these immortal words. We mutually pledged each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. There were originally identified seven founding fathers. George Washington, John Jay, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton, who is my great-great-great-great-uncle, Benjamin Franklin, and James Madison. These were rich men. They had lots of other things to do than declare war against the strongest army and monarchy in the world. These seven men were risking it all. In addition, there were 39 signers of the Declaration of Independence, the most notable who was John Hancock, whose flourishing signature was said to be made so big that the King of England could read its name without his spectacles on. These were men who had everything to lose and yet still served proudly and honorably. My dad, Charles Chuck Bashel, was one of those men too. He joined the Army as an enlisted man in 1944 at the end of the Second World War. He was an only child born in Rutland, Vermont. He had nothing but a high school diploma. His own father, my grandfather, had served in the First World War what was known then as the war to end all wars. Serving was part of the family tradition. While I'm sure my grandparents didn't want their only son to go off to war, they realized the cost of freedom. As President Reagan once said, freedom is never more than one generation from extinction. It must be fought for, protected, and handed down for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. My mom and dad actually met in the service. They met in Okinawa, Japan, in the occupation force after the Second World War. My father was a strapping, good-looking, six-foot-tall, six-inch first lieutenant, and my mom was a beautiful, young, recent college graduate looking for adventure. 
She had graduated from Southwestern in Georgetown, Texas in three years and followed her parents to Japan to serve her country in the civil service. My parents had the time of their lives in the service. My mom once told me it was the best of times. They never had more fun or more money. Not because the Army paid well. It didn't and it doesn't. But because they lived on the post with all their friends. The uniforms they wore every day. There was a simple elegance to the life of an officer and his family. I remember as a kid the famous cadence my mom and dad would sing around the house. You're in the Army now. You're in the Army now. You'll never get rich. You son of a bitch. You're in the Army now and then they would break into laughter. The Army and the service is where they met all their lifetime friends. Wherever they went, they had friends, and went they did. My mom and dad were stationed in 10 different locations in 13 years. They went from Japan to Germany to Spokane, Washington, to Fort Ord in, Mon in Monterey, California, to Washington, D.C., and back to Fort Polk in Louisiana. This is a sacrifice that all servicemen make. They go where they are told. It's a little found virtue in today's world of the Me Too movement and narcissism. That's the world my mom and dad grew up in and the world my parents raised me in, the world of God, country, and family. There were no participation trophies because everyone was expected to participate. So Veterans Day, as I've gotten older, has taken on new meanings. My classmates and colleagues served our country valiantly as well. One of my best friends from college is now retired Lieutenant Colonel James Jim Worm. He and his wife, Colette, served our country for over 20 years. Jim was deployed to Kuwait in Gulf War I. Like me, Jim was raised in a military family. His father was an Air Force colonel. Jim and Colette are the best part of this country and our military. No matter where they were posted, Colette did her part. Not only raising their beautiful kids, but being his partner in organizing activities on the base they were posted to, to help support the troops and the younger men. So the sacrifice isn't just the men and women in the field, but their families back home. Even in this day and age of cell phones and Skyping, getting in touch with a loved one in a combat zone thousands of miles away is a treat. And as you might imagine, there's no coming home for lunch. Each year I try to find a Veterans Day event to honor those men and women. The thing I love about the events is to watch the old and new get together. There is a camaraderie that cannot be duplicated in a club or a fraternity or a chamber of commerce. No matter where these men and women served, they did it with distinction. I am sure there are folks in the military who are less than enjoyable to be around, like all walks of life, but that is life. But the true servant leaders are pretty easy to identify. It's pretty hard to get a war story out of a veteran, not because they're not proud of their service, but because in their mind they were doing a job a job they were trained for by the U.S. government and were ready to execute when called upon. These are not extraordinary men and women. They are ordinary Americans doing extraordinary things without fear of loss of life or failure, at least not outwardly. When they return home, they have an all-shucks attitude that's incredibly refreshing in a world of, hey, look at me, aren't I great? Two of my favorite people are Commander John Dennis and W.D. Williams. These two naval aviators are about 30 years apart in age, dear friends of mine, fellow quail hunters, and both accomplished men. First, my friend John Dennis. We have been friends for over 30 years with a long family history. His father also served in the Navy. John attended Harvard, as did I, although I went to Harvard on the bio, the University of Houston, 
and he went to Harvard, the real one. John was on the football team at Harvard. He's an officer, a gentleman, and a scholar. Needless to say, with the liberal bias in our academic institutions, Harvard did not have an ROTC program when John was there. So he found another one in Cambridge. He really wanted to serve his country. John was commissioned an officer shortly after graduation and became a very highly decorated commander. John attended Bud School and SEAL training. He also became a naval aviator and flew jets, including becoming aircraft carrier certified. John has the highest possible security clearance levels to this day. Why do I tell you about all this? Because John's a teddy bear. Most of the stories he tells are humorous. He never brags about how many carrier landings he has. He never brags about his combat duty, official or unofficial. He could have left Harvard and gone to Wall Street, but he had the servant's commitment to his country. He always has a smile. He knows our country isn't perfect, but he's a shining example of what makes this country exceptional. My dear friend W.D. Williams is an entirely different kind of fun. W.D. is not bashful about anything. He, too, served his country as a naval aviator, but this time in Vietnam. He doesn't tell stories about how disrespected he was, as were all returning Vietnam veterans. He tells stories of gratitude. He's thankful. Thankful for the opportunity to serve. Thankful for the training he received. And thankful for the opportunities he received because of his service. Because of his flight training, he eventually flew jets as a captain for American Airlines for 30 years until he was retired. He, too, was carrier qualified and flew some extremely dangerous missions. Of course, WD would tell you the most dangerous mission is trying to find a postage stamp boat to land on in the middle of the night. WD is one of my heroes, like the other men I've shared their stories with you because he doesn't think he's a hero. Hero is a term we use a lot today. Hero, genius, we throw words like that around all the time. We live in a time when these terms are frankly overused. Football players are not heroes. NBA players are not heroes. Taking a knee during the national anthem in a display of ingratitude does not make you a hero. I've met heroes, real heroes. Recently, my wife and I were in Whitefish Lake, Montana. We've become very familiar with the area, and we love it. We were having dinner recently, and knowing of our affection for all things military, the maitre d' asked if we would like to meet some military amputees and their families. These men and their families were enjoying a vacation paid for by one of the service organizations that supports those servicemen and women who have been injured in combat. As we approached the table, there was nothing but laughter, all having a great time. As we were introduced, each stood to welcome us, some with only one leg, some with only one arm. It was overwhelming, so much so I couldn't take it. My wife and I both teared up and thanked them profusely for their service and their sacrifice and that of their families. Each one, to a man, graciously smiled and said, thank you. Then they added a phrase I've heard hundreds of servicemen and women say. They always say, it was my honor and I'd do it all over again. Those are heroes. They are ordinary men who, in an effort to do extraordinary things, were put in harm's way and paid a price that none of us would wish on our family or friends. May God continue to bless them. My last story is a little closer to home and much more recent. My son had three friends in high school, a young man named Dokun Ajaniwi, who is of Nigerian descent, a friend named Alex Creed, whose family is from north of the Arkansas River, you know, Yankees, and a friend named Sammy Darouche, whose father is from Lebanon, 
These boys went to lunch together every day in their senior year. I know. I saw the credit card bills from Benihana. I mean, really, who goes to Benihana in high school for lunch? But I digress. Each of these young men is a success in his own way. They are all just ordinary 28 to 29-year-old young men. The young man I want to talk about is Sammy DeRouche. Sammy came into my life as a high school student. He hung around my son, was always respectful, always had a great smile, and is a delight, as were the other boys. Sammy's dad is from Lebanon, and his mom was from South Louisiana. What an incredible pair, and they are wonderful people. Sammy's dad is a doctor and recently retired from the Veterans Administration as an infectious disease expert. After finishing his college career at the University of Texas, Sammy had lots of choices. Sammy decided to join the Marine Corps. He wanted to fly for the Marines. Needless to say, we were all surprised, but excitedly so. Sammy went to basic training, just as all young Marines do, then became an officer, and then went to flight school. Sammy is qualified in helicopters and fixed-wing aircraft and is now off to be stationed in North Carolina. He will fly the Osprey. The Osprey is a particularly difficult aircraft to fly because it's a combination of an airplane and a helicopter. It is the primary assault support aircraft for the United States Marines. In other words, where the Marines go to fight, the Osprey is their delivery vehicle. Sammy wanted to fly the Osprey. Humorously, Sammy didn't necessarily want to be in North Carolina. I think he would have preferred Hawaii, or interestingly, Okinawa. Yeah, that Okinawa, the one where my parents met 73 years ago today as a young serviceman and woman serving their country. But the military is a little like the Jesuits. They ask you where you would like to go, and if there's no other place to send you, they give you the place you asked for. It's kind of funny. You generally list three or four locations, and everyone seems to get number four. When Sammy was commissioned as an officer, my son and his friend flew to see Sammy presented his officer commission. Apparently, Sammy's mom didn't know the boys were coming. When she saw him at the airport, she asked, hey, where are y'all going? They replied to see Sammy receive his commission. His mom was overwhelmed, as was I. That's the kind of young men we have in this country, those that are called to serve and those that are supported by their friends back home. My son and his friends are as proud of Second Lieutenant Sammy DeRouche as any hero they've ever known. Sammy recently received his Naval Aviator wings. What a wonderful day. I was humored by the fact that as I watched the ceremony on a stream live stream, here we were giving a young man his wings after months and millions of dollars of training to fly combat missions, and he received those wings on a windy day in Corpus Christi, Texas, wearing a coronavirus mask. Sammy recently came to see me when he was in town. He always gets up and hugs me when he walks into the room. He's the little high school boy I've always known, the same infectious smile. He's now a man, however, trained and ready to stand in harm's way to protect the life of my family and the luxury that I have the luxury of living, and I'm humbled in his presence. So that's my story of Veterans Day and why it's important to me. From a young man from Rutland, Vermont, who wanted to see the world and serve, to a Harvard graduate who became a SEAL, to a boy from Richmond, Texas, who flew in the Vietnam War and later for American Airlines, to a young man just starting his career as a Marine and Naval Aviator. None of them did it or are doing it for the ribbons or the glory, and they sure as hell aren't doing it for the money.
A second lieutenant in today's Marine Corps makes an average of $43,000 per year. The quick math is that's $21.50 an hour. Plumbers make $80 an hour and no one shoots at them, with all deference to plumbers. So this Veterans Day and every Veterans Day, I hope you'll stop and remember all those who have served our country. We are all fortunate that for 244 years, men and women have taken the oath to defend our country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We owe each of them a debt of gratitude. I personally am always grateful for their service. To me, it's another reminder that yesterday is a memory, tomorrow's a mystery, and today is a gift from God, which is why we call it the present. I'm Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World.